0: Hello and welcome to Mickey Rourke Talk. You are in for a treat, my friends, because this is a healthy, positive journey through the career of Philip Andre Rourke Jr. or Sir Eddie Cook, or as he is best known, Mr. Mickey Rourke. In no particular order, I will look over his unique movie career film by film. At times I'll be joined by a guest, but mostly it'll just be me remembering where and when I saw his movies, the characters he plays, the choices he makes, his co-stars, his fashions, and whatever else comes to mind throughout his awesome, eclectic, amazing career. Oh yeah, there's so many cool movies. I'll probably do two or three movies each episode. Today we're going to be doing three. And I will tell you about them in just a few moments. But right now, let me welcome you to Mickey Rock Talk. I'm your host, Shane A. Bassett. Enjoy. That is New Gold Dream by Simple Minds and that song features in the movie The Informers starring Mickey Rourke, a film that we will discuss in a future episode. But right now on this episode, I'll be covering a true favourite among many Mickey Rourke admirers, Barfly, out of 1987. After that, an unusual low-key French-Canadian production with an exceptional cameo by Mickey. It's called "Pitcher Claire. And to round out this triple feature, a relatively big budget action spectacle with Mickey as a tiger-loving villain in Double Team. He stars alongside the muscles from Brussels and the worm, Mr. Dennis Rodman. But right now, let's discuss one of my favourite performances of Mickey of all time, yes, of all time, Barfly. piece of music that instrumental is Hip Hug Her by Booker T and the MGs and it's a piece that features prominently in Barfly which is loosely based on life experiences of poet writer Charles Bukowski and exploits that he had around Hollywood CD wine bars and flop houses and certain watering holes and pubs and the unusual bunch who frequent them and he came in contact with or in some cases People that worked there became his friends. Yes. Or allies. Or enemies, too, actually. Uh, this movie is directed by Barbet Schroeder. I hope I'm saying his name right. The late, great Barbet Schroeder. He directed Single White Female, Kiss of Death, uh, Reversal of Fortune, among other movies. And I think he does a pretty good job directing Barfly. Does Mickey suit the role? Well, he's dedicated. He's dedicated. And he's actually dirty. You can tell. He's a bum in this. I think he was actually living as a bum during filming. The DVD copy I own, uh, one of two DVD copies I own, and I have the VHS, which was given to me by a friend many moons ago. Uh, The DVD copy has some terrific behind-the-scenes interviews and a little bit of a peek on the production, uh, which was actually produced by Francis Ford Coppola, an old friend of Mickey's, giving him a role in Rumblefish and The Rainmaker, of course. Francis didn't direct this, as I mentioned. He just produced it. It was a Canon Group film too, which I thought was iconic. I forgot about that when the movie started. The Canon logo came up, and if you don't know who the Canon Group are, well, check them out because during the 80s and 90s, they had a lot of hits, a lot of flops, and a lot of in-between stuff that's fallen through the cracks. But there are a couple of documentaries around the Canon Film Group that are worth watching and you should check them out if you're a movie fan. But back to Mickey as Henry in Butterfly. Uh, I'll say he's dedicated, like I mentioned. His character is disheveled. Uh, he's an extremely gifted writer. He's out of control, though, of his life. And even though that may be the case... He is smarter than most people think. Almost the smartest guy in the room. When Harry Met Sally was a unique movie title and great romance. And I think When Henry Met Wanda would be a suitable alternate title of Barfly, describing the alcohol-soaked doomed romance that appears in this one. Mickey is the lead, of course, and he has some pretty cool co-stars. Let me begin with Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway, she is amazing at playing a drunk. Her fine art of conviction of being a drunk, being a loser, is fabricated into perfection. Not just in Barfly either, because I do think she's perfect as Wanda. She's just right. She still has her looks. Uh, she's sinking away. She's just incredible. Acting opposite Mickey, they have great chemistry. I'm not sure whether they actually got along on set. I have no idea, but it is a doomed romance of sort, sorts and it just works. But speaking of Faye Dunaway being a drunk, she was in these movies all either set around bars or drunk in these films she appeared in. Mummy Dearest, of course, from 1981 where she did the Joan Crawford thing. Albino Alligator, all set in a bar, basically. That was a movie from 1996. Matt Dillon's in that, among other great actors. But the one you really should try and seek out is Drunks from 1995, an independent feature with an all-star cast. Trust me, it is amazing to see all these cool actors playing drunks or former drunks, in an alcoholic anonymous group. That's all I'll say. If you can track this movie down, it's worth watching. Faye Dunaway is in it, of course. Sam Rockwell, Parker Posey, among others. But let me just say, in Barfly, Faye Dunaway is perfect. Absolutely perfect. Another actor worth noting from Barfly is Alice Kriege. She plays Tully. Now, Tully is a publisher who wants Henry on the books and in her bed. And she gets one out of two. Alice Crege, I adore, uh, especially from the movie Sleepwalkers. A Stephen King adaptation that not a lot of people like. And if you're a cat lover, I don't think you should be watching it. But Alice Crege is gorgeous in this. Uh, she pops up in a lot of movies. And I believe she's in the, uh, well, as of the time of recording this, in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, with an unknown role. I'm not sure who or what she is playing, but Alice Kriege is still acting, and that is good enough for me. Her barfly performance is terrific. you got Jack Nance in this. Now, Jack Nance is not here anymore, unfortunately, but he was a good friend and a common feature in many David Lynch movies. Always popped up in a David Lynch movie because obviously he's in A Razor one of David Lynch's earliest films. I always remember Jack Nance in Twin Peaks. Uh, but in this, in Barfly, he plays this PI, private investigator, that's tracking down Henry for Sally. So he's working for Tully, not Sally. Frank Stallone is in this. He plays Eddie. Now, Eddie is the nemesis of Henry. Uh, He's also a grass cutter because he nails Wanda behind Henry's back. Frank is Sylvester Stallone's brother, of course, if you didn't know that already. Uh, Frank is in Get Carter, which uh, obviously has Mickey Rourke in it as well with Sylvester Stallone. And uh, it's worth mentioning that Frank Stallone and Mickey Rourke have a couple of decent fights in this movie. So be careful if you don't like uh, fight club style fights, you might want to look away during those scenes. Another actor I'd like to mention that's in Barfly is Pruitt Taylor Vince. Now, he also appeared in Angel Heart, one of the other fine Mickey Rourke movies released in the same year actually. 1987 was Angel Heart, as was Barfly. Two completely different roles, but there you go. Uh, Pruitt himself has a stellar career that's still going, and he really should have become bigger. Uh, An outright star in his own right. I really do like Pruitt Taylor Vince. So there's some of the actors that I wanted to highlight from Barfly. I'm sure I saw Barfly at the cinema in Sydney underage on release. I do not remember. Exactly, and I'm not sure if it's written down in in any of my uh, exercise books from back in the day when I was a kid, seeing movie after movie. I'm sure it's written in there somewhere, but those books are actually packed away right now, so I cannot research and look it up. I think my memory is vague, but I pretty much think I did see it at a cinema in Sydney because it wouldn't have been in too many other cinemas back when it was released in 87. I was given a VHS copy by a mate, Which at the time was pretty rare, uh, and I still own it in my collection. So I'm pretty sure it'd be massively rare now. And the two copies of DVD, the two copies of the DVD I also have, as I mentioned. Mickey Rourke's clothes. Well, they're mostly rags in this. He wears a few different jackets. Uh, He puts on some old shoes. Uh, He's either got ripped or uh, bloodstained singlets and shirts on. Uh, He suits the costumes really well, but it would not surprise me if he just wore them off the set and did not wash anyway. He just kept whatever he was wearing on and the director said, yeah, that'll do. Maybe not, but uh, they're very delicately significant in a hobo's wardrobe, some of the stuff he wears, that's for sure. It looks very natural. Uh, He smokes a lot in it. I lost count. So, it's a big Mickey smoking performance, I've got to say. Would the movie get made today? Well, probably not. I don't think it would. No, unfortunately. Uh, It is politically incorrect. It has a lot of over-the-top things in it. Uh, And, yeah, I just don't think people would fund a movie like this today unless it was filmed by someone on their top-notch iPhone And they did it themselves. And that can be done, of course. Look at the movie Tangerine. Oh, my goodness. That was filmed on an iPhone. So was Unsane. And there's been others. So you can make feature films that are decent. Uh, You probably need natural lighting as well. Uh, Who knows what you can do with an iPhone these days. You might even be able to just get a couple of uh, massive flashlights or ring lights or whatever you want as lights for your production. You go out and make a movie. That's what Ridley Scott said. Everyone's got a mobile phone. Go and make a movie, according to Ridley Scott. There's no excuse. Matt Dillon. Now, Matt Dillon, of course, was in Rumblefish with Mickey Rourke, but he also played Henry, or in this movie, he played Hank. It's called Factotum, and it was from 2005. Uh, It's a terrific movie. Sort of on the same level as Barfly, it's also about Charles Bukowski. So, it, it, if Barfly is of interest and you haven't heard of Factitum, check it out. It's definitely a must see, as it is Barfly. Trust me, Barfly. I'm gonna have hopefully fans email me and talk to me about it and tell me things that they like about it. That's what I want to know. I can watch it over and over again, and I say if I want to estimate how many times I've seen it in the last 10 years, it's probably been about 25. I know it very, very well. Hard to watch sometimes, but I always see some new things to it as well. Radio, so that is Barfly. Let me know your thoughts, and I'll give you my email address at the end of the podcast. Next movie on the agenda is Picture Claire from 2001. That is Playgirl by Ladytron, a song that features in the movie we're about to discuss, Pitcher Claire. Pitcher Claire is an unusual story, also guided by cool performances, especially Juliette Lewis and Gina Gershon. A thriller, a chase mystery of mistaken identity, and a film full of stolen diamonds. Yes. That is what the movie revolves around. Stolen Diamonds. Uh, Mickey is in the film during the opening stanza only. He plays Eddie. Eddie, that's right. Sir Eddie Cook. No, just Eddie. Now, we meet him just before the 10-minute mark. He's sitting alone at a table inside a donut shop. He has an altercation with Claire, played by Juliette Lewis. She's non-English speaking in this movie too, which I found intriguing. She speaks French the whole film. Uh, And Mickey, of course, is chewing a matchstick, which he so often does in many, many movies. Now, when Juliet heads into the bathroom after the little altercation that he... that Juliet and Mickey has, in walks Gina Gershon as Lily. She walks into the donut shop um, to meet up with Mickey for a deal and to double-cross him because she seduces him. She actually straddles him and then chokes Eddie with a piano-type lethal wire and then just letting him fall to the floor. Uh, And that's it for Mr. Rourke. Uh, We only see him again in a few flashback scenes. However, he's mentioned on several occasions. You do see him later on a TV news report and then again As Claire recalls some previous events, you know, one of those little uh, mind thoughts, mind bubbles, and Mickey pops up in that. I have a copy of the movie on Region 1 DVD, and I've seen it, especially in the last month or two, I've seen it three times. And before that, only a couple of times. So it's not a movie that I've seen excessively, but I really enjoy it each time, and it's different. Now, I've mentioned a couple of the co stars. We'll run through a couple more as well. First, Juliette Lewis as Claire. Now, yeah, Juliette Lewis. I don't want to sit here all day and list her credits, but here's a couple of my favorites The Other Sister. Anyone who knows me knows I love The Other Sister. Juliette Lewis is brilliant in this, I guess you could call it, drama comedy. Also, Natural Born Killers. She's excellent as Mallory Knox. Cape Fear. Cape Fear, she got an Oscar nomination, and August Osage County. Now, there's another movie a lot of people don't realize. Either she's in it, or they don't realize it exists. Check out August Osage County, Meryl Streep, Julia Roberts. There's a Mickey Rourke connection right there, uh, and many, many others. Benedict Cumberbatch is in it too. It's just a brilliant movie, August Osage County. Juliet Lewis stars in that. Gina Gershon plays Lily, uh, Showgirls, among others. But got to mention Showgirls whenever you mention Gina Gershon. Also pretty in pink. She was funny in Blockers and Bound was good. Uh, And in recent times, she was in the TV show Riverdale. Real cool actress, actor, uh, extraordinaire and gorgeous. And Gina Gershon is terrific in Picture Clay. One of the bad guys in this movie is Callum Keith Rennie. He's really evil. He plays Laramie. Now, Callum Keith Rennie, you might know his face. I don't know if you'll know his name. I certainly didn't know his name at first, but I've seen him around in a lot of movies. Fifty Shades of Grey and Fifty Shades Freed was some of his recent credits. Uh, Dice, too. He was in a series. Now, it has nothing to do with Andrew Dice Clare. This was a 2001 series which also stars Tracy Wright who appears in Picture Claire as Detective Sweeney. So both Callum and Tracy appear in this series called Dice. Uh, I like Tracy Wright actually. Uh, I think what happens is Tracy has this connection with her detective character that is darkly funny. So listen to some of her dialogue. You really enjoy it, I think. And Camilla Rutherford. Now, it is definitely worth mentioning her in this film. She's unforgettable for multiple reasons in Picture Claire. Miss London. Just think of Miss London. Oh, terrific performance. And still around today. Still does some movies, I think, and mostly television. Lives in Canada. Does Mickey suit the role? Well, it's short and sweet, but yes, indeed. Of course, he suits the role. He's smiling, Uh, He's having a good chemistry moment with Gina before his fatal demise, of course. Uh, His rudeness towards Juliet's character is tough, but it works. He actually has some horrendous things to say to her. Uh, Actually, Mickey could have played the Callum Keith Rennie role, but it just wasn't to be. I think this was a stage and a period of his career when most people wouldn't hire him or question his ability, which just seems crazy to me. That was a mistake. If anyone, any director or writer questions Mickey's ability, no matter what era, but I do understand these 2000s until The Wrestler, uh, a lot of people question putting him in movies. Maybe that's why he was just in this small role, but he definitely could have played the Callum Keith Rennie role as the villain. His clothes in this are basic. A leather jacket uh, was the most significant item that stood out on his character here. And he smokes. Of course he smokes. At the 11th minute, 38 second mark, he uh, puts a cigarette into his mouth. Did I like the movie? Would it be made today? Yes, I do like this movie. And although Mickey is only in it for about 10 or 12 minutes all up, the story is enthralling. There's lots of climbing on balconies, in and out of bedrooms and hallways, some sinister acts by the villain... Uh, Some understated comedy too. I really do enjoy the movie Picture Claire. So seek it out if you can find it. Juliet is uh, most notable as the mixed up out of the depth Claire. She's terrific. She's beautiful. And stick around because uh, during the end credits, she does a solo version of the song Feeling Alright, which is a cool version. I always think of Joe Cocker when I think of the song Feeling Alright, but Juliet Lewis, a renowned singer in her own right, does a terrific version, highly recommended, during the end credits of Picture Claire. Feeling all right. Why would you stop the end credits of any movie anyway? I just don't know. Most significant, to th- wrap it up, is uh how would you call it? It there's lots of split screen use and box screen. There's multiple angles. There's different views of the action. I really like it. Uh, it it's sep- There's all little boxes in, in the... Think of the Brady Bunch. If you know the Brady Bunch at the start of that movie, how all the characters are in their own boxes. Well, split screen is when a line goes down the middle and you get two parts happening at once. Well, this has multiple parts happening at once. It's a really interesting choice by Bruce McDonald. Who is Bruce McDonald? Well, that's a really good question. He's done a few significant movies, but I think only if you're a Canadian. Who knows? In Pitcher Claire, though, he directs very well. I enjoyed this, and I can't say enough about it. If I was reviewing it out of five, I'd be giving Pitcher Claire a good three out of five. Well, there you go. That is part of the song Slave to Love by Brian Ferry. And it features in the movie Nine and a Half Weeks. One of the, well, I'm not going to say fantastic because it needs a rewatch before you can talk about Nine and a Half Weeks in general conversation. But it has a great soundtrack, And that song features in it, and we'll talk about nine and a half weeks in a future episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. But right now, to wrap up, the triple feature on this week's episode is Double Team from 1997. Just your average action comedy movie of this era, European locations, high concept stunts and fights. The story is loose, just to keep the action together basically. Jean-Claude Van Damme, the muscles from Brussels, is an internationally renowned spy, presumed dead. Uh, He teams up with an arms dealer in order to rescue his wife and baby from arch-enemy Stavros, played by Mickey Rourke. Now, co-stars of Mickey Rourke in Double Team. Jean-Claude Van Damme. he appeared in Expendables 2, and of course, Mickey was in the Expendables 1. John Claude Van Damme, or JCVD, plays Jack Quinn in this, and he's pretty good. What can I say? He has a lot of scenes with Mickey, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Dennis Rodman is another co star, plays Yaz. The only way is up. That's the only Yaz I know. Y A Z. I know a Y A S, Yaz, Yasmin. But uh, this is Yaz, and he says lots of basketball puns. He also appeared in BAPS, which uh, I know is a personal favourite from Halle Berry's career. She loves that movie. I think it'd be in her top three movies that she's ever done, and she'd have to include Monster's Ball too, I'm assuming, because she won the Oscar for that. But BAPS, if you follow Halle Berry on social media, gets a... a, You know, nod and a homage and a reference to quite a lot. Dennis Rodman appeared in BAPS. He also appeared in Simon Says, a much more forgettable action film than Double Team. Paul Freeman is another co-star of Mickey's in this. They don't appear together in the film. Uh, Paul Freeman, if you don't know who he is, played Belloc in Raiders of the Lost Ark. One of my favourite movies of all time. Shanghai Surprise was another movie Paul Freeman popped up in. Uh, That starred Sean Penn and Madonna, of course. And Sean Penn and Mickey Rourke are good friends and they were up for Oscars in the same year. And unfortunately, Mickey missed out, but fortunately, Sean Penn beat him for the movie Milk. Paul Freeman also played Moriarty in a terrific, hilarious Sherlock Holmes movie without a clue if you haven't seen without a clue that has Michael Caine as Sherlock Holmes and Ben Kingsley as Watson get on it it is a good laugh it's an 80s movie make you smile from beginning to end Uh, Mickey has some really good chemistry with JCVD in Double Team and although he has interactions with a child uh, it's kind of Different for Mickey, this role, even though he plays the villain. He has this interaction with the child, this this kid at the beginning uh, in a carnival action scene. Uh, it's natural, it's believable. Mickey smiles, which he doesn't do a lot of. I guess you could say he smiles in a few movies, but not on a regular basis. Most of the time, Mickey's just walking around in this, in suits, barking orders at his henchmen or fighting Quinn. There's Some really good fight scenes, actually. In particular a memorable fight at the end involving a tiger, a baby, and landmines, all inside this Coliseum-type arena. Double Team also has some interesting underwater and plane action sequences that reminded me of a 007 movie, a James Bond movie. Maybe a lower-budget James Bond movie, but these underwater and high-in-the-sky plane sequences well, really good stuff. Um, excellent stuff, actually, for the over, over-the-top action nerds like me. Does Mickey suit the role? Yes. As Stavros, he's a good villain. He's honest. He's forthright. He gets things done. He also looks good. He's fit. He's alert. Uh, I'm assuming that there was a lot of training involved to play this role because uh, he does have his shirt off at the, at the end fighting in the Coliseum, and he looks in good nick. Oh, Mick. Smoking. Well, Mickey makes his first appearance in the movie at the seven-minute, five-second mark, and less than a minute later, he is lit a smoke, of course. He's dressed well in this one, as I mentioned. Uh, He's got such things on as a really stylish black suit. He has ankle-high sneakers on at one point. Uh, He also has jeans just plain old denim jeans and a white loose shirt. Tight, tight, tighty-whitey as well, uh, if you want to call it that. And a charcoal suit with a pink tie. Now, when I say tidy whitey I mean a tight white pink shirt. No, I don't. I mean a white shirt. Could he play any other role in the movie? Well, You know what? He could probably play the Paul Freeman role. I reckon that would be the only thing that he could do and do it well. Do I recommend it? Well, for sure. There's a lot worse JCVD movies out there. And Mickey, he was heading into that limbo period of his career in 1997. Uh, The other two movies that he appeared in this year in ninety seven was another nine and a half weeks. Uh, the alternate title for that was Love in Paris. And that was a nine and a half weeks week sequel, which we just discussed a little bit about when we played Slave to Love. And in 97 was also The Rainmaker, which I really enjoyed. I haven't seen it for a long time, and I do look forward to talking about it in a future episode. And we'll also do another nine and a half weeks Love in Paris in an upcoming Mickey Rourke Talk episode, of course. So, Double Team is entertaining and fun, Uh, it's not too lethal, it's got decent action-adventure which makes very little sense at times, but who cares? It's an award winner too, did you know that? This movie won an award. Worst Supporting Actor, a Razzie Award for none other than Dennis Rodman. Look, he was okay in it. What's he supposed to do? He's He's a basketballer. You know, it's not like think about basketballers that have been in movies. Can you? There's been a few. Obviously, Space Jam comes to mind, but uh, Dennis Rodman he does okay in this. At the time of making this movie, he was the man. He was different. And he made a lot of money off that. And he was likeable. I like him in this. He plays a pretty good role. Getting the worst supporting actor award, well, that just tells you how insignificant the Razzies were back then, as they are still now. I have two copies of the DVD. Uh, I have a Blu-ray. And I have somewhere a VHS copy. Uh, And I did see it in the cinema in 1997. uh, And I enjoyed it then probably enjoy it less now than I did then but uh, I did enjoy it back in 97. Would it be made today? That is a very good question. Uh, I think obviously the tech would be definitely of a top-notch more advanced grade but you know what it'll also it it would also be less enjoyable. I'm still going to recommend Double Team. It's a good laugh and if you have a chance make sure you watch it. (laughs) we <laughs> That, of course, was ACDC, Akka, Dakka, Shoot to Thrill. And that song features in the Mickey Rourke movie, Iron Man 2. Another film we'll be discussing in a future episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. What I didn't mention about Double Team, speaking of music and Dennis Rodman, he has a song in the end credits. So make sure, as always, stick around during the end credits and maybe Crank the volume up a bit and have a listen and see how long you last listening to the Dennis Rodman song during the end credits of Double Team. That is it for me now. Thank you for listening to Mickey Rock Talk. My name is Shane A. Bassett and you can find me and links to the podcast and interviews and red carpet photos and whatever else movie and book and entertainment related I'm up to on Instagram and Twitter at movie underscore analyst at movie underscore analyst or find my youtube channel movie analyst shane a bassett or email questions or comments but be nice okay shane adam bassett at gmail.com have your say i look forward to it and in the next edition of mickey rock talk i will be featuring three movies another triple feature I'll also have a special guest the movies are Sin City from 2005 Buffalo 66 from 1998 do you remember that movie with Christina Ritchie and to finish off the triple feature in the next installment of Mickey Rourke Talk is Year of the Dragon from 1985 until then bye for now